Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. And uh, a very warm welcome to you today as we celebrate All Saints Day and uh, the baptism of dear Estella Molina. Uh, the, uh, the Feast of All Saints is one of uh, the oldest celebrations in Christianity. It dates back actually to the early, um, the early fourth century. And there's much that one can say about All Saints. However, one thing that I do want to make perfectly clear, one important teaching is that sainthood is not a title that is given by a group of religious leaders to signify tiers or levels of Christianity. We are really into dividing ourselves. Division is easy, unity is hard, and we love to divide ourselves. You know, oh, he's just a baby Christian over there. You remember like when, you know, Trump was first running and everybody was like, all these people were rallying around him, you know, he's just a baby Christian, or, you know, that guy's a backsliding Christian, or, you know, that person is a saint. That woman is a saint. She is destined for the lion's den. You know, I mean, you know, I once saw an amazing woodcut from Fox's Book of Martyrs and had all these uh, early, early Christian martyrs going into the lion's den. And down below, my friend wrote, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. So, uh, <laughs> but the Bible teaches, the Bible teaches that anyone who puts their trust in Christ is a saint. You and I, by virtues of the promise given to us by Jesus at our baptism. And this is why we do baptism today, to be reminded of this. That we, by virtue of Jesus' work for us, we all have been made saints. Because Jesus Christ has made you holy. Jesus has made you righteous and he's made you good. This is why it's so appropriate on All Saints Day to do a reading from the Gospel from Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. It's called the Sermon on the Plain in Luke's Gospel because it's a leveling field. Yes, there is indeed St. Peter and St. Paul, but in God's eyes there's also St. Jacob, St. Molly Jane, St. Steve, St. Charlotte. We're all on the same field, justified by the same God. Today during the peace, today during coffee hour, I would love it if you would introduce yourself to someone you don't know as Saint So-and-So. Now this isn't a joke, nor is this some sort of gimmick. Uh, the reason I want you to introduce each other as saints and reference your sainthood today is because as the church, or the church militant, we're the ones still here fighting the good fight of faith. It's so easy to get bogged down by the worries of life. It's so easy to get bogged down by what someone has said about us. It's so easy with all this stuff swirling all around, things done and left undone as we pray in the confession. All the division we see around us, both internally and externally. It's so easy to forget our sainthood and to fall into spiritual dullness and lethargy. Let me just say, man, the Christian struggle, the Christian struggle is real. But this is why we come to church. Not just for the amazing coffee and powdered non-dairy creamer. 
you know? Uh, we come to church to be reminded of who we are in Jesus Christ. The world may say one thing about you. Inside, you may say one thing about you. But believe me, God declares another in his gospel. God declares that you are a saint. Now, St. Paul teaches us today that this declaration of your sainthood, it comes to you in three ways, three points, how convenient. And um, first, it comes to you as the hope, the hope to which you've been called. And hope is important because hope is what enables you to rest. It enables you to wait. You remember as you were a kid at Christmas and you took a peek under the, under the wrapper and you knew that you were finally getting that present you wanted and you could just sit back and rest and hope for that day to come because you knew it was coming. Second, it's your glorious inheritance. That's a key word because you don't do anything to get an inheritance. An inheritance is given to you based on the death of another. The death of Jesus. So this is your glorious inheritance given to you. Third, this declaration that you are a saint. St. Paul says, and this is the one that really stuck out to me, is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. That's very key. First of all, it's immeasurable. You see, we're always looking to see if we're really living it up. We're always looking to see. But St. Paul says, this is immeasurable. You can't measure it. Us always looking around to see what God is doing, that's the platonic Greek influence upon Christianity. It's not Christian. We have to hear God. The God of Israel, Jesus, is the God who speaks to you. And so this, this power is immeasurable. This great, its greatness is immeasurable. And it is so great, and why? Because it has the power to transform sinners into saints. As we sing at the Easter Vigil on the exalted, the exalted, it has the power to transform slaves into sons. It can't be measured. And so this immeasurable power of the gospel is coming towards you right now today from my lips into your ears and from your ears down into your heart. And God declares to you today that you are a saint. A saint, oftentimes though, despite contrary to what you see going on in your life. Oh, I don't believe it. I don't believe I'm a saint. doesn't matter. God has said so. You have the victory now in Jesus' name. And in a moment, Stella, before she had any clue, God's made a decision about her already. And she has the victory now in Jesus' name. Talk about a picture of amazing grace. This is my first point. What Paul is saying to the Ephesians in chapter 1 here, what Paul is saying to you today, is that the power of death, the power of your subjectivity, has been broken in Jesus' name. Saints, hear me today. Death is defeated and has now become your pathway to eternal life. 
Saints, this hope, this glorious inheritance, this immeasurable great power to you has created a new heart within you. We could call it a saintly heart, which has eyes, no longer focused just on me and what's going on with me, 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 but focused on God and on the love of people. And this immeasurable power of God, which comes by way of the Holy Spirit, what it does is it preserves you as a saint to live and to die for the glory of God in Christ alone. So, St. Paul goes on here to articulate four specific things that convey God's power to us. That is at work in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. And in the rest of the sermon, what I'd like to do is explain their meaning to you. For they're just kind of, they're, they're just dripping with spiritual content. That is medicine for the spiritual dullness and lethargy that we saints so oftentimes face. You know, I was thinking about it when I was working my way through this text. I mean, if you want a great devotion for this week, uh, chapter 1 is basically Paul's introduction to what he's about to talk about in Ephesians. But if you want a devotion this week, take your time, and there's six chapters in the epistle to Ephesians, and read one chapter every day. And really watch how Paul talks about the cosmic ramifications of the cross. And what your salvation means, not just for you personally and in the world, but cosmically through the entire universe. So you see, if you take a look at your text, first, St. Paul tells us about what Jesus did in the past and how it affects us today. St. Paul tells us that God's power, God's power, it worked on Jesus and it raised Jesus from the dead. Or in other words, what he's saying is that Jesus said a lot of things about himself. Namely, I'm God and I've come to forgive your sins. Now, this is very important because I mean, Jesus' message was a message of love. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that is the foundation. That's the cornerstone. But he also came, that message of love came with a word of forgiveness. I have come to forgive your sins. Now here's the thing. This gets people's backs up. Especially if you don't think you need forgiveness. I remember one time I was talking to a colleague and I gave him a pen that said, you enjoy your forgiveness on it. And he looked at it and he was like, oh, I wasn't aware that I needed forgiveness. And I was like, well, that's your problem. And I didn't say that out of my life. I just thought that in my head. I was like, hmm. I was like, well, that's interesting. So anyway, but, uh, you know, I mean, but, you know, you think about it. This is what got people's backs up. Not just like, hey, man, I love you, but I forgive you. And this is why sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes all flocked to Jesus. His message wasn't like, hey, man, it's all good. We're all cool. It was like, no, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Well, instinctively, we hate that. And so the world, we all got together and we killed him. And we put him in a tomb. And he was done. However, what this means, God's power working in Jesus, what this means is that God, God vindicated. He justified Jesus. God demonstrated that Jesus was right 
in his claims by raising him from the dead on the third day. So this is what this means. Well, Paul's breaking this out. I mean, really briefly, but he spreads it out in the rest of Ephesians. Therefore, in Jesus' death, you are forgiven. But it's in his resurrection that you now stand justified. You stand righteous before God. And that's what makes you a saint. You see, in the early church, the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus were all seen as one event. The act of the cross, broken into three parts. The death forgives you. The resurrection justifies you. And now, his ascension, well, this is the second thing that Paul speaks about. His ascension, St. Paul tells us, that because Jesus was raised from the dead right here in Ephesians, God seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Now notice, Jesus is seated at God's right hand in the heavenly places. That's important. This is a messianic title. This is Old Testament fulfillment. Because the king's position, the king's position at the right hand, or the right hand of the king's position was a a position of equality. If you saw the right hand of the king, you saw the king himself. And the right hand of the king was traditionally a seat of mercy. So this is why when St. Stephen, he's being stoned and he looks up into heaven and he sees Jesus at the right hand of the Father, it's not like there's like two gods or something like that like the Mormons want to teach you. What he's saying is is that he is seeing the very image of God. The right hand of the Father. And Jesus at the right hand of the Father is in the seat of mercy. Yet notice, Jesus at the right hand is doing something very specific. He's not running around still trying to fix it. He's not even standing. Rather, Jesus, on the side of the mercy seat, because his work of redemption for you is done, because you have been made a saint, it's totally complete, it is finished, he is seated. Picture our Lord in a barca lounger, kicking back. It's finished. This is my second point. The power of God towards us is real. It took Jesus from death and put him eventually in God's presence. And as St. Paul will lay out in the rest of Ephesians, especially in chapter 2, it has placed you there as well. And the power of God is what keeps you there as well. Because Jesus has died to forgive your sins, and has been raised for your justification, and because of Jesus' ascension, Jesus now sits in the mercy seat at the right hand of the Father, because the work of mercy, the work of forgiveness, the work of redemption for you is now finished. So this brings us to the third, the third thing of the four that St. Paul talks about. St. Paul tells us Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. God has put everything, everything in the universe to his subjection. St. Paul writes far above and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the age that is to come. 
So he is reigning now and he's reigning forever far above all things. This is an important image too because this comes from like Near Eastern kingship. When a king reigned, he put everything under his foot. Think about Tiglath-Pileser III of Assyria. What he would do is he'd take everybody who stood against them, cut their heads off, and make it a footstool. And this is what our Lord has done with all the demonic forces of the world. He has taken them and defeated them in the foolishness of the cross and has made it his footstool. He stands upon it in victory. Or he sits down, just to picture it, like that old comic from 1985, Conan the Barbarian. He's sitting on his throne with all of the forces underneath his foot because he's so far above it. And as a result, this fourth thing, God gives Jesus with all of that power and all of that authority to us, the church. And as the head of the body, St. Paul concludes by writing, the fullness of him, the fullness of Jesus, fills all in all. This is important because this is where the rubber um, hits the road when we talk about your sainthood. And in the midst of the struggles of life. You see, we are literally the body of Christ here on earth. And where the head goes, so does the body. I mean, think about this in terms of birthing. If a birth is healthy, the body, the head comes first. Where the head goes, the body follows. This is the image that everybody would have understood in those days. So where the, the, the body follows the head, and what, what St. Paul is essentially saying here with these four points, he's bringing it to a crescendo, filling all in all, that God uses blood-bought, forgiven, justified, baptized saints to go forth into the world. And we fill everything by means of our witness. Our witness, our proclamation that Jesus has forgiven us. Jesus has redeemed us. Jesus will come again for us. And that resonates not just in the world and with your neighbor, but what St. Paul is getting at here is that that resonates throughout the entire universe. It has a cosmic effect. And the reason why that is so important and what he is saying is, is he is saying there is no time to fall into spiritual dullness or lethargy. I mean, we get so caught up in our feelings and we forget what the scriptures say. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. And I have deigned to use you. And this is incredible. I mean, God could just rip open the heavens if he wanted, but he has chosen to use us, his body, to fill all in all. You are a saint. And when you speak the name of Jesus, it shakes the cosmos. And this is my third point. God intends and God will. I don't believe it. doesn't matter. God said it. God will fill the universe with the authority of his crucified and risen son. And he will do it through the witness of you and I, his saints. 
That is the power of God at work for you now. And that power, that power of God, that gospel word is rooted in the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And remember that gospel word is deep in your heart and it has the power to hold you steady. From my mouth to your ears, from your ears to your heart, it's the power to hold you steady in the midst of an unsteady world. No matter what, come what may, Christ reigns and your sainthood is secure. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.